Hi everybody, it's Bill Whittle here with uh, Alfonso Rachel and this is The Virtue Signal where we talk about the morality of politics and the morality of what's going on in the world. So let's dig in, shall we? Uh, Zoe, I wanted to talk about uh, something that uh, might be interesting for um, our viewers because I think we can both tell them a little bit about our backstories. Mm. And, um, and I think the topic today would be dependency. Mm. Um, maybe I'll go first. Uh, when I was uh, younger, I was living uh, with a, a friend of mine who was an actor, a successful actor. He, but he's been my best friend since I was ten. I used to play little league baseball with him, mm. and um, I was just not doing real well. And he uh, was doing very well, and um, he had allowed me to stay in his garage and all the rest of it. And I remember thinking, well, hey, listen, could you, you know, could you help pay the rent? Um, and he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I got really angry, you know, mm. really angry um, at this person who was doing nothing but helping me. Mm. And and the more dependent I was, the more resentful I got. Yeah. And and that is a very bad dynamic, especially when there's um, a group of people out there trying to make sure that uh, the American people are as dependent on the government as possible. Sure, sure. And, and you know, that that is a weird thing how the resentment works. It's, it's like a projection of your, your resentment. You resent the predicament that you're that you're in and it ends up, you know, kind of end up taking it out on the people who are trying to help you out. Um, but yeah, in, in, in where we are right now, uh, there's a there's a lot of resentment going around and resentment can manifest in many different ways. And one of those things that uh, it can manifest is in a belligerent um, behavior of entitlement. Uh, it comes out of that, too. And, you know, we're more and more we're being taught that we need to be dependent. We're supposed to be socially dependent. Um, and, you know, the best way, you know, and, and they'll lean on things like, well, aren't you supposed to be your brother's keeper? And aren't you supposed to love your neighbor and all that sort of stuff? You know, one of the best ways that you can show that you love your neighbor is not forcing your dependency on them. <laughs> and that's that's a culture that we're becoming is that we're made to feel like that's what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be uh, this mandate of being socially dependent. And there was something else going on in my life at, the, at about the same time. I was uh, trying to get a movie financed and I was waiting for some attorneys to do the prospectus and they were doing it for free, mm. which meant that it didn't get done. <laughs> uh, and I would wait and call and I'd, and I'd get the um, the law secretary and she'd say, try back on Thursday. Mm. This would be like on a Monday. Mm. So I had nothing to do but wait until Thursday. I wasn't working. I was, I was basically working on trying to get this thing done. Then you call on Thursday and you'd get pushed back till the following Tuesday. Uh. And when you're, when you're waiting for the check to come or, or whatever it is that you're counting on, Life is absolutely miserable. Yeah. You feel like you have no control over your destiny at all because that's essentially what you did. You've cut yourself out of your own future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and all that energy that, you could, that, you're, that people are spending on waiting for somebody to facilitate what they feel like they're, you know, they're entitled to or what they're owed, it's like, man, you could be putting that energy in and going to get your own cheese. You know, it's like, why, why are you waiting for that government cheese? And government cheese is pretty good. It makes pretty good grilled cheese. But if you can go out there and get your own cheese, you know, it's a, it's a better use of energy. It's a tough sell, though, isn't it? Um, especially when some, and, and I mean this, I don't mean this in a dis disrespectful way, because this was certainly true for me as well. Mm -hmm. But it's tough when you've been on the couch for weeks or months. And sure, I'm not talking man. about you know, being trying, unemployed. Trying to get yourself yeah. uh, up off of that couch. You know, it's... Uh, 
you know, it, you get settled into it. Sure. You know, and, um, and you know, we're, we're taught that, Hey, that's what friends are for. That's what, that's what friends do. That's what families do. Family is supposed to be able to, uh, tolerate us doing, you know, that tolerance where you're supposed to be able to tolerate a person doing that. You're supposed to have patience with family when they do, you're supposed to be all accepting of these kinds of behavior. That's what more and more we're being taught in the culture. So, and, and unfortunately that kind of mindset starts to be become very uh, expensive. Yeah, to say the least. Um, that very same friend did, the, did a, the, the best thing that a really good friend could do for you. Uh, he actually called and got me a job interview at an e editing and, and this was down in Orange County. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, I'm in a, uh, I wanna say it was like a $90 a week motel. It's the, it the worst motel in the city of Winchester. And, uh, and I had a chance to do some extra work. The guy uh, who hired me for some miracle advanced me a week's pay. And I found myself with a bicycle and about $40 in my pocket total. Mm. And I just got up at five in the morning and rode the bike into the studio. I worked on a different project wow. uh, from six until maybe 8.30 or nine. Then I did the job I was getting paid for. Then I get some food, come back and work on the first one some more and ride the bicycle home. And it wasn't long before I was able to get an apartment and then get a, a used car. And to my utter amazement, I mean, real amazement, I was much, much happier sure. doing that than I was basically sitting on the couch doing nothing. But that's a hard sell to convince people of this. It is, man. And you know, um, and, and for some people, man, sometimes, you know, you fall on hard times and, and it's difficult to get back on your feet. That, that I get. It's when people, make a basically a career of it or when they feel like they're entitled to just go ahead and um you know live off of somebody else and that's and that's like an institution that um, that you know too much of the american culture is wanting uh in its own but you know it happens man it's uh you know people you know they're in a position where it's like hey man i i need the help of a friend or i need the help of a family member um you know and you're trying to you know get back on your feet you know that that stuff happens to people man it happens to me it happens you know it's, it happens to me and uh, happens to people that I know, yeah. But when it's just like I'm owed this, you know, and you have to take care of me, that's uh, that's not a fit society. Yeah, that's the difference between a safety net and a safety hammock, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you you told me a little bit about your your, your personal story and mm. and and how you became a conservative and how somebody came into your life and and basically showed you that there was a better way to live. Could you, would you mind telling our audience a little bit of that story? Sure, sure. You know, um, you know, when I was maybe, you know, seven, you know, seven years old, uh, you know, we lived in, you know, the projects, you know, and um, I think the first Republican I ever met, you know, he was a, a, an ex-wrestler, man. I think he went by the name Killer Clark. And, uh, you know, despite all these things, that I would later come to hear about, about Republicans, Republicans are this, Republicans are racist and they're sexist and all that sort of stuff. Um, the first Republican that I ever met was nothing like that. Not even close, you know, how Republicans, they don't come into black neighborhoods. Well, he did, he came and moved, <laughs> he moved there. He was, uh, he had a huge crush on my mom. He treated us like we were his own children. So all those narratives just went out the window. And one of the things that he did try to instill is like, look, man, um, you know, this, this kind of a dependency, you don't need this. You don't do It's like you, you can go out and you can get there. Don't, don't let anybody tell you that you, you can't pursue, you know, your dreams, you know, and you don't need to live off, you know, uh, the government trough to do it. 
you know, and, and my mom got into that mindset of where it's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I, I flipping hate welfare. She hated it with a passion and she got off of it. And that's a, a, a value that, you know, uh, the best that she could, you know, I uh, um, tried to instill in us. It's like, look, don't don't live your life forcing your dependency on anybody. You get out there and you work for yours the best that you can, the best that she knew how to teach, you know, to uh, to, uh, to live by that. So, yeah, he, he made that impression uh, on all our lives. Sounds to me that you um, underwent a, a small miracle in the sense that a father figure parachuted into your life mm -hmm. and was able to, to touch your life and, 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 and change it. Sure. You, you really can't talk about societal dependency without talking about the destruction of the family. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, there are so many people out there and not just in inner cities or anything like that. There's so many people out there, especially young men out there who've never had father figures mm -hmm. and, and never had anyone come in and explain to them that it's not only a virtue to be working, mm -hmm. but you're happier when you're working. And, and, that, and that when you take that paycheck home, mm -hmm. that's an entirely different feeling than, than having a check arrive in the mail. Because if it's a gift, like from the government, then your, your first instinct is to say, well, why isn't it a bigger gift? <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. You know, and, and we're wired to have a sense of purpose. You know, we must because we're always asking, you know, why am I here? Where do I come from? You know, we, we have these, you know, innate questions within us. So, you know, we have the sense of purpose that we that we do want to fulfill. Um, and you're right. You know, to be able to receive something for doing nothing, it's not going to have the, the, the kind of fulfilling effect that you expect it to have. The fulfillment comes with you being of some kind of service. But, but the thing is, Bill, we're, we're, we're in a culture, we're being taught to, to treat service as servitude. We don't like servitude. Right. And we associate being of service to being servitude and, and we don't like it. We have this aversion to it. And that's something that has to be, uh, has to be canceled out. I, um, I had a chance to do a series called America's Forgotten Heroes for Daily Wire, and it was going to come out in early November, but they held it because of the eight-week-long oral surgery that the country's <laughs> been going through. Um, but uh, one of the, the, the second name I picked when I had seven names to pick, the second name I picked was, was Booker T. Washington. Mm. And, and I read his book Up From Slavery, and I don't believe I have ever encountered a human spirit that was that selfless in terms of willingness to work and, and appreciation and humility for opportunities. And what that man accomplished mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And most, the thing that surprised me the most was how Washington would not only talk about how Southern white racists were now supporting his work and, and, and letting him have land on, on, you know, on, a, on a payment plan mm. and how they were proud of, of the work that Tuskegee was doing. But the thing that impressed me the most was how willing he was to forgive these people because he had, he had been a slave. He'd grown up, he was born on a, on a plantation. He was somebody else's property, mm. but he never took that bitterness with him. And, and because his attitude was so remarkable, he not only achieved remarkable things for himself, he built something like 960 schools throughout the South. Mm. Yeah, and see, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, and it may have been thousands for all I remember. Sure, sure. Now, see, that kind of thing is to be celebrated because that's real adversity. Like, like the things that people are facing today, it's like, man, we don't know it. We don't know adversity like that. You know, and, uh, you know, so these, these struggles that people are trying to manifest for themselves to make like they're struggling just as hard as somebody else, man, that's, that's disgraceful. 
And, um, and, and, and that in itself is putting, and it's like they're dependent on that. They're dependent on this mindset. Since we're talking about dependency, it's almost like they're dependent on this struggle that they're trying to make to validate their existence, to make it look like, you know, they're, they're doing something worthwhile to show this injustice that they have on them. That's their purpose. And, uh, speaking of purposes, but, you know, even with, you know, Frederick Douglass, you know, he, 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 people would say, Hey man, how do you, how do you handle the disgrace of, of being made to, to ride in the back of a train or something like that? It's like the disgrace isn't mine. The disgrace is on the people who would make me have to ride on the back of the train. That's their disgrace. It's not mine. And when you, and despite those kind of adversities himself, Booker T Washington, you know, people who are, uh, uh, uh such contemporaries of, of, of those days, the things that they faced and say, you know what, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of having to be dependent on someone else. And I certainly didn't like it that people made it an institution to be made to be dependent on my services. Cause at the end of the day, it's still slavery. So that's that right. stuff's gotta stop all around. Yeah, and your yeah, I think your point is exactly right. That that today people are dependent on being dependent. That's that mm -hmm. that's it's like an emotional need yeah. to be dependent and to defend it. And yeah, the, the, you know, the thing one of the things that Washington said about dependency was he said of all the people, this is after um the Civil War was over and mm -hmm. and and full emancipation came and so on. He said that his experience in the years after slavery had ended mm. was that the most helpless people and the most unhappy people he found were the children of the plantation owners mm -hmm. because those kids never learned how to do anything. They were utterly helpless. Yep. And he talked constantly about how, how former slaves would sometimes put together what little shreds of money they had in order to feed the former master's son because they had such sympathy for this guy who had been so dependent on other people's labor that he couldn't do anything for himself. Right, right, and and we don't, and we could become a culture like that again. Yeah, I mean, now we live in an age, man, where it's like you can learn a whole stuff, a bunch of stuff just going on YouTube, you know, and learn right. how to uh, be of service in many different ways. Um, but the thing is, if we keep on with this entitlement mindset and, and nobody likes to be told that's the thing about it nobody likes to be told that they're entitled nobody likes to think that they're entitled but you know there's what people say yep. and there's what they do are two totally different things and we are living in, in this time where it's becoming more and more fashionable to say that hey we're supposed to be socially dependent on each other and when you and when you become like that when we speak of resentment people will start to resent Hey, why am I doing all this work and I'm not able to see more of the fruits of my I'm I'm seeing more people enjoy the fruits of my labor than I'm yep. seeing. And people don't seem to understand that's when walls get built and when people are like saying, "Hey, I did the service and I'm sick of the state taking so much of it to facilitate somebody else. I'm leaving." Oh, are you leaving, huh? Well, we're just going to shoot you in the back when you try to leave. Yeah. It's like California's exit tax. There's there's genuine talk about if you leave California, you have to pay ten thousand dollars or something if you have a business. Some, some something along those lines. Right. So so last question for you on this topic of dependency. Um, somebody came into your life and showed you that there was a better way, and and there are lots and lots of people out there who who need that desperately and and are are not going to get it. Uh, and so what what do we do about this? I mean, if you if you had to just do a quick sketch of what you would do to, to make people less dependent, what would it look like? Well, we, one, it takes patience. It takes patience, it takes stamina. We didn't get in here overnight. 
we're not going to get out overnight. And I think a lot of the culture right now is really um, they've got this quick fix mindset. You know, we got mm -hmm. the short attention span and all that sort of stuff. It's going to take patience. It's going to take stamina. Um, the places where we need to be, there's not enough of us, whether it be in education, whether it be in entertainment, the very the very things that um, uh, those who at the more entitlement mindset uh, industries that they've gone in to have this influence to make this programming. Uh, there's not mm -hmm. enough of our presence there to make that happen. Uh, but that would be a start and making sure that when it comes to talking about uh, dependency, it's like we said earlier, it's about being free to give. It's like it's good to be able to look out for your neighbor and do these things like that, but you got to be free to do it. And people are misunderstanding. Like when we talk about living in a free country, people misunderstand what it is to live in a free country. They think we live in a free country. Well, stuff should be free. There's people who actually believe that. It's like, no, it, it's, you, you've totally misunderstood it. So it's the same thing about being free to give. Yeah, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson didn't say that um, your inalienable right was to happiness. Mm. He said your inalienable right was the pursuit of happiness. Right. And that's an entirely different thing. Yes. It's great talking to you again, buddy. And uh, again, thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making it possible. As I said before, they've been waiting for you for a long time, and, and everybody stepped up on this membership drive. So we'll be doing two of these shows a week uh, for the foreseeable future. And if people really like them, maybe we'll do more. So, um, Zoe, we'll see you next time. Thanks for being with us. All right. Thank you. All right. What's good, y'all? Thank you so much for y'all who are going to be tuning in. Uh, this is the my, my signal response uh, concerning uh, the shows that I do with Bill Whittle, the Virtue Signal. And, uh, you know, after after the, you know, it's kind of like an after discussion, you know, when people come into the feeds and they want to make comments and stuff like that. So it's a, you know, a little way for me to engage folks, you know, have a little uh, after party, uh, so to speak, you know, concerning the topic that we did in this one. Uh, we talked about uh, dependency as we're kind of going over the uh, the, the, the so-called uh, seven deadly sins. And uh, what's up, Robert? I see you, man. And uh, everybody else who's coming in, you know, I derail easy. So if I don't acknowledge everybody who comes in, you know, uh, forgive me, but I, I do appreciate appreciate y'all being here. Um, so we're covering uh, these uh, seven deadly sins and uh, we come to, uh, you know, a sin like uh, uh, sloth, you know, things like that. Um, so. I wanted to address um, the recent one, you know, you know, the seven million sloth and envy and, you know, and, and you guys know the rest. <laughs> Do you know them, Zoe? Do you partake in them? You sinner, you? Uh, well, uh, I try not to, but at any rate, um, here's some of the comments that we get. And this one is going to come from a uh, resort dog. And uh, resort dog says uh, it's not entitlement if I paid into it my entire career, right? Okay, um, I, I feel what you're saying when you, when you say that, man. It's, it's, it, now, the thing is, if you pay into something uh, your entire career where it's your own uh, recourse so that you can have that set aside for whatever your wants and needs are, yeah, that, then of course it's not an entitlement. You paid into that, but we have an institution to where people are forced out of... Um, the fruits of their labor to, to, to go into this general fund that people tend to think that is set aside specifically for them. That's not true. Uh, what it is is that we have people being made to pay into this fund um, that, that is made to facilitate what other people feel like they're entitled to. So in that sense, you know, um, you know, that's what we have. And that's, that's something that of course, 
ends up burdening the system. You know, when you have kind of like this collectivist idea that people are supposed to be uh, this, you know, we're supposed to live under an institution of being our brother's keeper, it, uh, it erodes, uh, it stifles the ability to be free, to be uh, charitable, right? It, uh, it um, encroaches on people's uh, ability to, you know, create jobs, to have, uh, to maintain the wealth that's necessary to be able to uh, provide uh, jobs so they can, you know, or to make uh, products and services and stuff like that. So, you know, I hear you when you say, and it's not an entitlement that you paid into it, but unfortunately we do live under a system right now where people are made to, uh, people are made to buy into what people, you know, feel entitled to. Uh, these are reasons why, uh, you know, the Lord himself says that the poor will always be with you, right? Um, you know, when Jesus says the poor will always be with you is because you're always going to have people who are going to take advantage or exploit, you know, the poor. You know, you see it with the politicians all the time, you know, how they claim to be for the poor and stuff like that. And then they put in policies that actually keep these people that way. Um, and these these things, these policies are apart from God or even when they lean on trying to use scripture to say that Jesus is, you know, uh, you know, he wants us to take care of the poor and he wants us to feed the hungry and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, Jesus expects you to. That's that's on you to do. Jesus didn't tell us to make it law. He didn't he didn't tell us to do that. That's uh, because you can't do that without institutionalized covetousness. You're always going to have people who are going to say that I'm entitled to this and entitled to that. And they're going to be a voter stock for people who are going to come in and patronize them and and use them to, to uh, be voted into power. And, and these are the very people who say that, well, the rich get richer and the poor get poor. Yeah, these are like your politicians who go in there, patronize the poor. Right. And then the poor just stay poor. They get poor as they, as these uh, taxes and regulations go mount up everything to make it look like they're doing something, right? And while the poor get poor, these people are getting richer. And so these are the very people who who actually do that. And, the G, and Jesus knows this about people. He knows that they're going to people who are going to exploit the poor. And unfortunately, a lot of times the poor fall for it because they think that they're going to get these entitlements. Thus, the poor stay poor. And Jesus says, you will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. So which means that if you don't always have Jesus, poor is definitely poverty is definitely going to be something that you're that you're uh, doomed to because Jesus is, is is the way that keeps people from doing each other dirty. Not I'm not trying to make let's let's be careful. I'm not trying to say that Jesus is uh, is the facilitator of, of your prosperity doctrine and stuff like that. If you're going to prosper, yes, Jesus is definitely the best way to do it because it's the, it's the most honest way to do it and you won't do each other dirty. But, um, you know, when we when we have if we abide by his statutes, you know, and, and we deal honestly with each other and not make it an institution to be able to be free to uh, uh, be dishonest with people, um, then, yeah, then we have we have a we have an environment for prosperity, whereas right now uh, we, we don't. We, we actually have something that's formulaic to to uh, to stifle prosperity. Um, that, and that ties, I want to tie that into, uh, <clears throat> I want to tie that into, I gotta shut these alarms off, man. I'm getting these notifications. Hey, people want to talk to Zoe. Oh my goodness. Right. So, um, I want to, uh, I get a, I got a comment from Kent and Kent says, Hey, Zoe, you had a video over a decade ago explaining how Democrats rely on the poor to bring in votes and therefore, Democrats want more people to be poor. I can't find it anymore. Has it been memory hold? <laughs> yeah, most likely. Man, I did that. I, I think I made that comment 
man back in like 2007 man on a i had a i had a series when i first started doing these videos um i i had a series called black and white on the gray matters that's when i those these were my first uh conservative commentary videos and i started that back on myspace y'all I, I i had a um you know i was teaching martial arts and i had my, my martial arts studio and after class i would uh you know, after I'd shoot everybody out, I'd set up my camera and, and I'd start ranting, man. And I put them up on MySpace. And uh, yeah, I, I made that comment uh, regarding um, uh, Democrats needing the poor. And this is, you know, one of the things that Yeshua was talking about. It ain't like Yeshua didn't see this coming. And it ain't like Yeshua saw this behavior back then and before then. He knows the inclinations of man, right? And the Democrats, of course, you know, they talk about being the party of the poor. We're the party of the poor. We're for the poor. And as the saying goes, you know, and I, I, I can't take credit for this saying, but, you know, you'll have some um, the saying is out there. It's like, yeah, the Democrats love the poor. That's why there's so many of them. They, they want to make sure they have as many as possible. Right. They love the poor. But the thing is, you know, but my my mine is like a two edged sword. You know, when I'm when I'm saying this, you know, when Democrats are for the poor, it's like, yeah, they're for the poor. And if they're for the poor, that must mean that they need the poor. Right. Evidently. Because the Democrats are always appealing to the, you know, to the poor. They claim to be the party of the poor, the party of the little guy, right? Even though their policies actually, um, they choke the little guy. But whether you're the little guy in business or whether you're the little guy in the womb, the Democrats are looking to destroy you, right? Under the guise of good intentions. They think they got you back and all that sort of stuff. But the Democrats, they do rely on the poor. That's, that's a big part of their voter stock. There's definitely a lot more poor people, respectively, uh, people who uh, be considered poor, then there are people who are uh, considered rich, right? And with the with the Democrats, uh, that income bracket don't even really have to be that high for them to consider you rich. I remember when Obama was running, man, that in, that income bracket just kept dropping down, man. It was like people who are making three hundred thousand, two two hundred fifty thousand. 200,000, 150,000. It's like, it just kept coming down. It's like, look, man, I mean, what are you, are you talking about net? <laughs> are you talking about gross? What are you talking about? About what, a, how much wealth a person can, can, uh, um, uh, can keep for themselves where they're not or are considered rich, you know? So with the Democrats, that number is always seems to be changing. Uh, you know, like they have this, they like to switch things around a lot, but, uh, anyway, you know, so, um, with this, Needing the poor, the Democrats, they definitely need the poor. They're, it's, 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 a, it's a big stock for them to pander to, right? And they need them that way. And they put in policies to keep them that way. And as they do that, they make sure that they have it in check, that they have somebody to blame for the state of poverty that these people are in, right? So it's so as to take blame off of themselves. The, the ones who are actually putting in the policies and putting in the institutions that keep these people in a state of arrested development, they do that while blaming somebody else. Democrats are for the poor, yeah. And they need them, right? And they need them to stay that way. Now, on the flip side of that, as Democrats boast in being for the poor, they accuse Republicans of being for the rich, right? So now, once again, now, Democrats, if they want to maintain that voter stock, they got to maintain people being in poverty. And, and of course, they're going to need more of them. They want more votes, y'all. That's what democ democracy is, popular, right? It's where we get the word. Right. It's pertaining to what's popular. They need a big population of poor people. Right. So they can so they can get them votes. That's what they want. They want more people to be to, so they can say we're for you. Now, if they're going to accuse Republicans of being for the rich, well, then that must mean that Republicans need the rich. Right. Was, did that make sense? It, it have to be fair. If Democrats are going to be for the poor, 
and Republicans are for the rich, that must mean that the Republicans need them. And if the Republicans need them, that would that would definitely mean that Republicans need more of them. You need more rich people, right? Definitely a lot more poor people than there are rich people. But if you want to get them votes, and if Republicans are for the rich, then that must mean that they need them and they need more of their votes. So guess what? That means the Republicans need more rich people, which must mean that Republicans want the policies to be in place to help people get out of poverty and become wealthy. We need more of these to be able to vote for us. That's That has to be the logical conclusion, right? It can't just be we're for it because only a few people ain't going to get you the votes that you need to get you in, get you in power. Right. You're going to have to have more of those people. You're going to have to have more people who are being able to prosper and stuff like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about in principle, y'all, because we have whether you're Republican or Democrat, we've got um, some iniquities uh, on both sides. Democrats themselves, y'all, is, is inherently it's inherently wicked. It's inherently evil. It's, it's a party that's that's at odds with the Constitution. Even right now, y'all. see, I'm trying to tell I'm trying to tell Republicans, y'all. You need to understand who Democrats are. You got the Democrats out there right now doing what? They're, they're against the Pledge of Allegiance, right? They're getting sorry if I'm rabbit trailing, but I'm I'm, I'm going to bring this back around to a point. But you got the Democrats are right there who who don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Why? Because they're against the flag. You know that, right? You see them out there uh, take knee and all that sort of stuff, all in opposition to the flag. They hate the flag. This ain't a new thing with Democrats, y'all. This is what Republicans need to understand. This is why the election was stolen from me, because you guys really, uh, too many of y'all, sorry, I don't want to draw a brush, too many Republicans that have gotten in the way and don't really understand who the Democrats are. They think this is a new thing. They think that, that the Democrats being in opposition to the flag right now and don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance is a new thing. Y'all, they've been at war since the flag, since the with the American flag, since the Confederacy. That's who the Democrats were. They've always been in rebellion against the flag, the United States and the Constitution. They've always been that way. It's not a new thing. But too many Republicans treat it like it is. That's why you can't hold them accountable for all the evils that they've done. That's why people it's so easy for Democrats to put that stigma on Republicans, because Republicans don't call Democrats out for the stuff that they've always done. They always refer to the Democrats as this new party, this new party. Right. All that to say now Republicans, Republicans was founded to be squared up with the Constitution, founded to be uh, squared up with the word of God. The problem is, is that now we've got Republicans who are too, they're just deviants. That's not a fault of being a Republican. That's just a fault of, of just human error. It ain't like the parties are the same because it ain't Democrats acting like Republicans. It's Republicans acting like Democrats. That's the problem, right? So when we say all oh, the both the parties are the same, see, yeah, it's kind of true because Republicans are acting like Democrats. It's not the other way around, right? If Democrats actually acted like Republicans, it would be we'd better we'd be better off, according to what it is to be a Republican. But the problem is, is we've got deviants, right? We have deviants in the Republican Party who really don't. It's like, come on, y'all. It's it's one of those things. that's kind of inevitable. We've been brought up in the public school system. Who do you think runs the school system? So Republicans can only learn how to be Republican, mostly from Democrats. Where do you think they learn this stuff from? You know, so at any rate, we have, and, and it's one of the reasons why um, Democrat, Republicans have such a hard time selling, you know, free market, capitalism, you know, this 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 um this institution of independence where we're able to uh, go forth with our industries without these these uh, um, sanctions from the state that basically it's almost like this quasi ownership of industry and, and, uh, and your enterprise. Right. It's, it's this uh, almost crony. Cap well, it is right now we got we got crony capitalism. We've got uh, 
you know, we don't we we have this quasi socialism. Well, it's 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 becoming bold, more bold or social. Only thing is right now is that you know you got you got the state that is just regulating the snot out of business. It's just like one step off of just practically owning it outright, right? Where the state just has ownership of what it is that we do. Um, so we're we're kind of always already there. And Republicans, unfortunately, they just do a horrible job of selling and promoting. Uh, the free market to the culture uh, and, and capitalism to the culture. Liberals make better use of the free market than, than conservatives do. You know, so it's, it's, it's sad. And it's, it's the irony is, is that liberals, they can't stand the free market. They hate, they hate the, our bourgeois, our so-called bourgeois. They just see us as the bourgeoisie, right? They think that we're all about materialism and, and, and um, profits before people and stuff like that. But that's liberals all day. That's them. And they're they're making full on use of um of the free market, what's left of the free market that we have to sell to they use it they they use this commercialism they use this free enterprise to be able to do that all for the purpose of basically killing the goose that laid the golden egg. That's what they're doing, right? They believe that America is is a place that should be punished for what is for whatever issues that they have, and they try to make up some to to make it look like they've got some sort of struggle and whatnot. But that's what they're doing. They believe that America deserves this uh, this punishment and be able to be uh, rebuilt in their image or whatever whatever fantasy that they have that that they that they think America should be, right? So that's what we're dealing with, y'all. In terms of like you know, uh, like I said, you know, with Democrats being for the poor, they've got a whole like they got a big population of people to pander to to give them the power to make that happen, right? And and uh, Republicans. And they, they gotta they gotta get on the ball with that. I've, I've been saying it, saying it for years. Um, let's see. Um, somebody, we got a cup. Uh, Cupertus. Oh man, I'm sorry if I'm saying your wrong word, name wrong here. Cupidaros. Cupidaros books. Okay, maybe that has something to do with Cupid or something like that. Cupidaros books, maybe romance novels. <laughs> Cupidaros books, maybe about romance novels, right? Something like that. Okay. Uh, and he says, yeah, I agree. He says, talk about the de dependency on tyrant texts, right? As as we did a series or we did a, um, a commentary, Bill and I did a commentary, you know, discussing dependency. Uh, and talk about dependency on tyrant tyrant text. I, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. As I've long said, man, you, you can't be dependent on somebody without allowing them to control you. And we're seeing and, and I think I think folks are getting a big dose of that right now, right? Now, dependency isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Forced dependency is. You know, but you can have there's mutual there's there's a uh, mutual dependencies. You know, there's these symbiotic relationships, you know, that people have, you know, where you kind of dependent on each other to do things. Yeah, that's that's one thing. You know, there's there's that constructive uh, and healthy kind of dependency, you know. Uh, but then there's that forced dependency. And that's what we're living on right now. And uh, and then and it's like there's this um, like this submissive dependency and whatnot. You know, and I've, I've long warned about this, you know. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm all tech savvy and stuff like that or like some sort of cyber clairvoyant knowing that what was coming down the pipe. But I saw this stuff happening to me and, uh, and I was like, man, um, you know, we can't be dependent on these platforms that are run by these liberals, man. We're in we're in their territory, you know, trying to tell the truth. And these people are highly allergic to truth. So, you know, it's like we've got to be able to fashion our own means to compete with this. You know, to, to have like um, uh, ways to be able to put out news media, entertainment media, commentaries and stuff like that. There sh we should have our own 
uh, to be able to do that and not just make it like, you know, where it's like, it's it's the conservative. It's like, no, no. Uh, just a place where you know that, sure, it's it's owned and operated by conservatives, but still it's like, hey, you know, say, but because, you know, if it was just, if you just make it, oh, the conservative, it's going to be, it's going to be one, it's going to be a circular firing squad. It's going to be very boring, right? You're going to have a whole bunch of uh, bickering conservatives on there trying to out conservative each other. That's what it's going to be. It'll be, it'll be boring, right? It'll be totally unconstructive. It should be uh, uh, an open place where people can come in and, and uh, they can um, share their good news, share their uh, their their grievances and stuff like that, and pictures and food and culture and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but you know it would be owned by conservatives, right? And not being in there trying trying to play thought police with people and stuff like that. Have you know kinds of guidelines? Say okay, well, this this kind of stuff ain't gonna fly here. But go ahead and say what you want. But you and if you but you make your opinions public. You got to understand that there's going to be a public retort to it. So as long as you can handle that, go ahead and speak your mind. Right. Just, you know, at least try to, you know, have some kind of act like you got a little bit of good home training uh, and, and behave yourself to a certain degree. Uh, it's I've been saying that for for years. Right. And by the time conservatives got around to it, big tech then already got so powerful that by the time conservatives, they're already swiping them down. Right. It's like we should have been doing this a long time ago, long time ago. But instead, conservatives just stayed dependent. They just and, and you had people, even people like Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh was saying, you know, Twitter, is, it's, it's pointless. It doesn't mean anything. It's like, are you serious? I mean, come on. Come on, Rush. You got to know better than that, man. Instead of downplaying it and underestimating, look at the effect that it had. Twitter, Facebook. Right. That stuff was highly effective. Choke Trump out. Right. Cheaters. Obvious, obvious cheaters came in and took the election, right? And they got the House and they got the Senate. Come on, man, right? But, but you know, people underestimate these things. Like, man, don't underestimate these people. Just because their worldview is foolish doesn't mean that they don't have the intelligence to know how to put the resources together to promote their foolishness. Yes, their worldview is foolish, but they seem to be very, very savvy at promoting it and they got by us, didn't they? Come on, man. Stop underestimating these people. So now we're dependent on these people. And y'all, it's not just about the social, uh, uh, the social media, y'all. It's a search engine. That's another, that's another huge thing that conservatives are overlooking. The search engine, the ability to be able to find and, and, uh, information and stuff like that. People go on the search engines. I don't care if it's Google or DuckDuckGo. They're both liberals. You go on there and the first thing you're going to see is their bias. Right. Those are the things that are going to be yielded first. That's what people are going to see. And these people have the power to, to, to choke you out. They've kept me out of cross uh, cross references for years. Right. People can't find me. If you don't know my name, like if you if you go ahead and you start typing in Alfonso Rachel. Yeah, of course, you'll be able to find me. But if you've never heard of me, you will not discover me. You won't see me in cross references and stuff like that because they keep me out of those. Right. So the search engines, y'all themselves, there's not a there's not a competing search engine. That's a huge part of the equation, man. And that's the, that's another area that that we haven't tapped into. And it's sad, man. We got these, you know, um, you know, donor class Republican voters out there, man. They 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 could back up something like this, but they don't. It's all they're all about point me to a politician to give money to, right? They don't fund it's like I don't really see them funding anything else. It just has to be politically oriented, you know, while the culture is slipping away, right? So, you know, sadly, uh, we do have, you know, this gross dependency on our enemies, right? That's sad, y'all. 
We're, de we're grossly dependent on our enemies. Even right now, speaking on YouTube, I'm in enemy territory, right? I'm having to be dependent. I hate it. I hate it, y'all. And um, and it's like people keep saying we need a comp competitor. And, and what you have now is you got a whole bunch of splinters. You know, it's like you need to be here. You need to be there. And y'all... When people keep saying you need to be on, you need to be on Gabi, you need to be on uh, Parlor, and you need to be on Spreely, and you need to be on this, y'all, please understand something. You are falling for the Democrats' strategy of divide and conquer. They have split you up into a whole bunch of sm small groups, right? Democrats do that. Don't you know that they're the party of segregation and separating people into groups, and you're volunteering to do it, right? So, and you wonder why Democrats are able to make the advancements that they do. This is the Republicans. Like I said, what Republicans said, they don't need, they don't just take the bait, y'all. They help Democrats bait the hook. All right. So it's like I've 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 went ahead along with the game, man. I got my Rumble account. You know, people say, get Rumble, get Rumble, get Rumble. I've been on Rumble for years. A lot of folks don't know that though, right? And it's hard to find me on Rumble too, right? But you need to get on Rumble. Hardly anybody goes and watches my videos on Rumbles or share. I gotta beg people to share my stuff on Rumble. Even yeah. though people say you need to be on Rumble, you need to be on Rumble. I'm okay. I'm there. Hardly anybody shares my videos here, right? So it's like we we but but that one of the reasons why is because we're so split up. Everybody's going to this social media, this social media platform, this social media pla uh, social media platform, right? But I guess you know it kind of takes that you know it kind of takes the experiment of doing that to find the one that's going to stick, and that'll be the that'll be the bigger one, right? And then of course when that happens, people are accused it of being a monopoly. <laughs> right so if we say strength in numbers we want to gather together and have this one strong uh uh you know stout uh social media platform media shared platform and stuff like that you know uh and then you have you know you've got this uh basically you've got this battle station to be able to do things from but right now we got these you know these smaller factions and don't get me wrong y'all because i i'm glad that people are pursuing the enterprise of, of trying to make a social media platform uh that's a good thing you know, it's good to have that kind of competition. The bad thing about it, though, is that it has fractured uh, our ability to communicate and Democrats have us divided. Right. And and they're conquering. So please take that into a, a account also. Um, let's see. Uh, we have what's this Myro uh, Savannah. And, you know, and, and you know, the, uh, once again, y'all, that's just uh, that's just my my humble perspective. Uh, as I'm looking at these things play out, I'm like, yeah, uh, there, there seems to be a formula to this. I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm, I'm total a, a total authoritarian or an authority on this. Uh, but that's just what my observation is yielding. Uh, and um, it's it's something that it, it need, definitely needs to be rectified. Uh, let's see. Myro Savannah says, every time someone co quotes the Bible, I'm reminded why a third of the world, how I'm right why one third of the world is so full of it. Okay, that's um, it, that's rude. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I you know, I, in a way, I kind of agree with that. I kind of agree uh, because you do have a lot of people who cherry pick scriptures, and uh, God warned us about this. I mean, it's in His commandments. Hey, don't take my name in vain, right? Don't be using my name to justify sin. A lot of people do that. So yeah, you do have a lot of people who quote scripture and they and they put it in their own uh, context, you know, to try to make God say what it is that they want want it to mean and you know god says don't take my name in vain matter and and also included in that meaning is don't be using my name and and make it lead to nothing right don't 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 uh make my name uh just vacant man you don't be saying that stuff it, it's because you're 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 inviting people to challenge the credibility of my statutes 
right? So, you know, you don't want to do that. So, yeah, to a degree, I agree with that. However, the thing that has kept the world from being so full of it, I mean, it's getting worse, you know, but it's the, you know, when people talk about faith is the reason why we have so much problems and stuff like that. Well, faith in God is one of the reasons why all this crap hasn't taken over the world completely, too. Right. People talk about how faith divides us. Yeah. The Lord himself says, yeah, I come to bring the sword. I don't 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 assume that I come to bring peace. I come to bring the sword. I'm here to divide people. Yes. The Lord himself says that. And he says that for a particular reason, because I, I need to divide you from the people. I need to divide divide you from people who are destroying the world and keep them from dragging you into hell with them. So I will divide you from them. Yeah. And the process may be painful. Right. I cut like a surgeon. So, yeah, in that sense, th there is some truth to that. But it's like I said. Uh, at the same time, you know, because of the, the, the commandments of God and because of the love of Christ, you got a lot of people out there that are keeping the world in, in what's left of the state of unity that we have, right? Because it, it, faith in God has also brought a lot of people together. It's also fed a lot of people. It's also clothed a lot of people. It's also educated a lot of people. It's done a lot of things for people where people are trying to accuse Christians of being these problems. It's like these same people haven't done not even close to the things that God-fearing people have done around the world. Right. When you have the gullets out there who are making people making sure that people stay hungry, stay stupid, stay cold. Right. And have diseases and all this sort of stuff. You have the godless people who keep it from who keep these people from thriving. When you have Christians out there, God fearing people out there trying to say, hey, you know, let's do something about this. A lot of unity that's in the world is because of Christians, because of the God fearing in the name of Yeshua. That's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you, that you think that only because of the word of God that the world is in a state of turmoil. No, it's because of the word of God that the world hasn't just been totally set on fire as it is because of the word of God. You know, so that's that's really sad that a person would have a, a cynical view like that. But like I said, to a degree, I agree because you do have a lot of people out there who do misquote scripture, who do take uh, the word of God in vain and get out there and say a bunch of nonsense. And, and, uh, 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 and, and trying to say that they're speaking the word of God. Even the Lord God tells us himself that there were people out there who will be killing people. And, and of course, unjustly. And they'll be dropping my name to do it. You know, God detests these things. So to, to fault uh, the word of God for that, you know, I don't agree with that. However, uh, you know, it is because of the word of God that, you know, the world hasn't gone totally loony to us. But, you know, it's it's heading that way as as people are encouraged more and more, sadly, to, uh, you know, not respect the word of God. Right. Uh, let's see. I think uh, let's do one more. Um, we got Randy Osborne. Uh, Randy Osborne says, let me check my feed real quick. Just make sure I got all my. Uh, OK. Uh, yeah, nobody's complaining about my audio issues or anything like that. So I've got I've got uh, I've got the comments in uh, in in the way of of, of the chat feed, so I can't really see what y'all are saying. Uh, and if I move if I if I move this over, then I won't be able to see my you know my 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 fly mug here, you know, because I'll, I'll have it in the way of my picture because I you know kind of need to look at myself as I'm I'm, I'm playing. Right? Uh, you narcissist though. Um, okay, so. We got Randy Osborne, uh, who says that compassion is not truth. Uh, this, I, I think I think this could be sh pretty short. Uh, to say compassion is not truth, um, <laughs> that's not truth. 
That's not truth, Randy. That's not truth to say compassion is not true. I don't know if he's if, if that's like a small way of him saying that, you know, um, you know, uh, facts don't care about your feelings and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, your feelings don't matter when it comes to the truth or, or anything like that. And the truth is, is shouldn't be bent to uh, to suit your feelings or whatnot, whatever angles he's coming from. I'm not sure. Um, but regardless of which on its face, compassion is not truth is uh, is absolutely wrong. Uh, and I will just say that with this. The Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? That's what he says, ain't it? And we know, and so which means that if Jesus is the truth, he is the truth, then we also know that Jesus is compassionate. Right? <laughs> Jesus is compassionate, right? Remember when he was feeding them four and five thousand people? I had compassion. Man, they look hungry. I have compassion on them. Let's give them something to eat. Right. So Jesus, who is the truth, has compassion. So I would have to disagree that uh, when he says that compassion is not truth. And like I said, I don't know what angle he's coming from. The whole facts don't fit your feelings and all that sort of stuff is like, no, uh, truth can be quite. Matter of fact, one of the one of the most compassionate things that you can do is tell people the truth. But of course, you know, you want to speak truth and love. You don't want to be cruel with truth. Right. You don't have to be cruel to tell people the truth. Uh, you don't, you, you want to be, you know, diplomatic and you don't want to, you don't want to wound people, you know, just for the sake of wounding them just because you, you know, uh, because they offended you or something like that. And so you're going to tell them something truthful about themselves and make sure that it hurts as much as possible. Uh, you know, people tend to do that. But uh, yeah, to say compassion is not true, that's that's not going to cut it. Anyway, that's, uh, I think uh, that that's all I got for the Fortunately, you know, because I would like to think, you know, in, in my audience and Bill's audience, you know, um, you know, we've got some 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 heady folks in there right some intelligent folks so most of the comments are pretty much going to be you know on the level and be like yeah yeah that's good that's good i like i like what you're saying i like what you're inputting there uh some people may come in there very few like i said most of the audience is uh is on the level right some may come in there and may you know say some things you know and actually there might be some uh some you know things that people may say is like, yeah man that's i want to repeat that that's pretty good uh and in this one this was more of like uh you know some questions that folks have that you know some cool some cool questions that i just wanted to go ahead and address and you know reflect on and things like that uh but at any rate i hope you dig these uh after party discussions you know in uh from uh from the virtual signal and, and uh we'll keep this series going uh god willing and uh you know hopefully we can you know add some you know promotion of sanity you know into what's going on out there in the meantime y'all i hope you guys visit my website bronzesurfermedia.com you know i got stuff there i got the mugs i got the music i got audio books you know get that uh cultural culture culture war culture culture war uh coaching verification uh um fortification i should say uh to get out there and do battle and get these shirts man retake the word radical y'all don't don't leave that to the left to do that don't 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 leave that to the left that's a, that was a big mistake that republicans gave over to the left to let them claim the word radical republicans were founded as the original radicals of 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 uh of of, of america right and the one true radical himself jesus christ is the one that we're following out of he's he's the one true radical don't give that over to these godless heathens man you you give them the power to make it look like the party switch sides that's why people don't trust y'all so yo check out these shirts there i got other shirts uh, like i said i got music got audiobooks and uh we will talk again soon thank you guys for tuning in